Hello everyone, this is episode two of Calling All Halos. My name is Sam Blum. I'm joined again alongside my co-host here, Connor Grossman. Uh, the reaction to the first episode was good, so we are allowed to do it again. And we're back here. We're back. <laughs> we're back, yes. You know, I wasn't certain when I posted that first one. I was like, who knows, maybe the sound is bad, maybe, maybe I'm going to get canceled, or who knows. But we, we survived, and we're going to take this <laughs> day by day now, so... We're back for a second episode. The season's about to start. It's my favorite time of year. I'm sure Connor feels the same way. Um, you know, Absolutely it's, the best yeah. time of year. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're talking national holiday on Thursday. It's uh, and, and what what better place to spend it than uh, you know than Oakland, as the Angels will, right. will are are banished to Oakland every year to start the season. Um, right. And it's a tradition. It's part of the holiday. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's you know, if you're not waking up in Oakland on opening day. It's uh, in, in like what's going to be like, I'm sure, 45 to 50 degree weather. Connor, you're, you're a Bay Area native. What, what kind of weather should we expect? Um, I'm going to go partly cloudy with a high of 61. And, you know, it's like every year you might spend Thanksgiving at your weird aunt's house. The angels go to their weird aunt that lives in Oakland and hang out <laughs> at the Coliseum for three days at the beginning of April or the end of March every year. Yep, I'm. Ex- I mean, it's you know, it's my favorite ballpark. So, not actually my favorite ballpark's in uh, Tampa Bay. Um, <laughs> we'll save it for another episode. Yeah, this episode is going to be about uh, the prodigal son. Uh, we're talking Mike Trout today. Um, you know, everyone's favorite angel, uh, and you know he's had an interesting month competing in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, you know, he spoke with uh, reporters on Sunday, and you know, it's I thought were some interesting comments just about. You know, his experience there and kind of the perspective that it gave him. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about, you know, really what I think is such an inter- interesting dynamic that he has, uh, you know, with the Angels being someone that's signed on to play here really for another eight years. And you look around the organization, there's just, you know, I think every important person kind of is up in the air in terms of how long and how, you know, much longevity they have with this team uh, you know, from Phil Nevin to Perry Manazzo, even the owner, Artie Moreno, who we talked about in episode one, to Shohei Otani. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty, I think, moving forward, but Trout's really the guy who's, who's signed on here long term, and that and it creates some interesting dynamics, I think, this year. So we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about just, you know, what we kind of think of uh, the offensive production he'll bring, um, maybe in terms of how it's changed a little bit over the last year, and, and we'll also get into our uh, our baseball predictions for the uh, for the whole year. So, you know, without uh, without further ado, I mean, I guess I'm curious, Connor. You know, you've watched Mike Trout as as a baseball fan in a way that you know when I first started covering the Angels, I mean, you just you kind of it, it changes everything really the way you, you know Mike Trout's kind of always had this mythical aura to him, and then you're at him every day. But I mean, you know, I, where, where does he kind of stand for you in terms of being you know a baseball fan and maybe just like his all time uh, prowess in the game? I mean, it's like, where do you begin? Um, I mean, the NBA season is coming to a wrap, and someone who grew up watching the Golden State Warriors and spends his time watching the Warriors when I'm watching NBA, the way the Warriors revolve around Steph Curry, I imagine, is the way the Angels revolve around Mike Trout. And if only the Angels were in the NBA and only needed five players playing at once, they'd probably be much better off because they've had Trout and experienced his greatness for all these years and still haven't been able to put, you know, a significant winner all around him. But, 
I mean, what more is there to say? The Angels are Mike Trout. Mike Trout are the Angels. When you look back on this era of Major League Baseball, you're going to think of Mike Trout's Angels. And unfortunately, as the history books are written now, you're going to think what could have been with Mike Trout's Angels. But no one questions Mike Trout's greatness. And I think, yeah, I mean, what you just said, I think, is something that he recognizes as well to some extent, which is like, you know, what their perception is, you know, whether you whether or not Angels fans think it fi- it's fair, whether or not Mike thinks it's fair, whether or not any individual person thinks it's fair, the narrative right now for Mike Trout and the Angels is really this incredible baseball player that just could not play for a winning team, which I, I don't put that on him in any way, but it's mm-hmm. the reality of the situation. And he made some comments yesterday that I thought were uh, were really interesting and, and almost telling in some way. He's, and I'll read you this quote that, that to me that stood out. He said, As soon as the WBC was over, on the bus headed back, I texted Phil Nevin and I said, I needed this. I needed to play in this atmosphere. I needed to experience it and be in the moment. And it just made me think about how bad we need to get to the play, to get back to the playoffs. Um, and it's, you know, I think the World Baseball Classic was something of a reset perspective-wise for Mike. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, you know, he hasn't played in those types of games really probably since 2014. And, and even then it was only three games and they lost them all. And, you know, it's just, that's, his, that's his playoff experience. I mean, that's really his experience playing in that level of atmosphere, those games, that importance. Um and even for someone who's as accomplished as him, I mean, just, you know, it's, I think when you get on that level, it's different, um, right? It just, it just has this different feeling to it. And, uh, you know, Mike, it, to me, it's, you know, I, I think that he's recognizing to some extent that whatever his legacy is going to be tied, it's going to be tied to this, this Angels team. It's going to be tied mm-hmm. in a lot of ways to really what happens this year, because I think what happens this year is going to set the stage for whatever happens the rest of his career. Totally. This year is definitely an inflection point, and the obvious reason of that is because we don't know what Shohei Otani's future is. But just as a baseball fan, like, how cool was it watching those GIFs on Twitter or those video clips of Trout jumping out of USA's dugout with the whole team mobbing around someone who just made a big play? I mean, that it was like every baseball fan's dream living out in front of them if only for a moment and then you remember oh wait this isn't mike trout in the world series this is mike trout playing for team usa in a tournament that only happens once every few years it was cool nonetheless but it was almost like a more stark reminder perhaps the starkest reminder you could get about what mike trout hasn't been able to do or experience with the angels yeah i mean it was so cool in the moment but also like you feel these pangs of sadness that we haven't been able to see him celebrate like that in an angel's uniform. And that's what I think he was trying to even co- communicate to some extent with what he mm-hmm. said. I mean, it's like, and you're right. I mean, the thing about the the angels make are, are the butt of a lot of jokes, but I think deep down, everybody would like to see those guys competing in that, on that stage in, a, in the postseason. I mean, that's just the reality yeah. of it. I mean, it's like, and it's frustrating. I mean, that's where the frustration comes. It's like, how could you be screwing this up for him? <laughs> how could you be screwing right. this up for all of us? And it's year after year right. after year. And, and when we it's talk not, about yeah, it's yeah. not even about the Angels. It's not even about Juan. It's not about America wanting to see the Angels do well. It's about the nation of sports fans wanting to see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani on the biggest stage in the game. And we got that for a couple weeks, yep. more than a couple weeks, but just measured in weeks, not months, and certainly not years. Yeah. And I mean, this is something you and I have talked about off, off pod. Uh, if that's a real term, and I got a question about this in my uh, in my mailbag that's up on theathletic.com yeah. right now, um, it, it was you know the the idea that Mike 
has, you know, I guess an obligation, not necessarily I would view it as an obligation, but an opportunity maybe to be more outspoken about what he thinks it needs needs to happen for the Angels to get to the playoffs. And and the reason why I think it's interesting to have this conversation is at, not to place blame at the feet of Mike Trout, who has obviously done everything he possibly can on the field, and I think a lot of ways been, uh, you know, a really uh, great representative for the team off the field, but he's not necessarily been the guy that said, hey, like, this is what I want to see. This is how I think that, you know, the Angels need to operate if they're going to, you know, make the playoffs. And, you know, and that, he might not view that as his role. And I think that you could have an honest conversation about, you know, if he has more of a role in, or should have more of a role in that. Um, but, you know, I think that one thing that Mike Trout does have, it's not, he does not have leverage in terms of his contract. That's a long-term contract that, you know, he could, you know, he he's, that's, that's his. Set it and forget yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's his deal. I mean, right, he's signed on to it. But what he does have leverage in is just, and something that I don't think anybody else, you know, in the organization can claim is, is just the love and respect of the fans to the extent that whatever he says, they will listen to, right? Like, they will appreciate it. And, you know, that's where I think he has some power that, you know, maybe some untapped power that, um, who knows, you know, he might be, that, that might come out at some point if he feels it gets to a point where it's really more necessary than it is now. Um, you know, uh, he said that he thinks the team is good this year. They're set up to win. And I agree with him to some extent. Um, but it is interesting. But, ha- but has Trout ever said the team around me is not good enough to win? No, that, and I think that's where I think I think that's where some people get a little. That's where this question kind of arises from, where it gets yeah. it gets a little annoying annoying for certain people. And again, I'm not necessarily saying I'm one of them because I, I you know part of me sees but I see both sides of it in that I I don't think that it should be on Mike Trout to fix the Angels. He's already done yeah. that with everything he does as a hitter, as a defensive player, as a base runner. I mean, he's an incredible on-field player. So is that his is that his prerogative to to fix this team? I don't necessarily think it is. But at the same time, you're right. I, I mean, the, you know, when he says, oh, yeah, I think we're good, and, and in the middle of last year during all that losing, he kept pointing to he thought the team was still good, you know, because they had had that hot start. I mean, to me, that's like, that's that just, it wasn't reflective of what I thought I was watching on the field, you know, and he knows more than I do. But um, it's, uh, to me, it's, it's like, there's probably a little bit more. There's probably an in-between here to some extent. Um, sure. But I know, how do you look at it? I look at it as Mike Trout is the consummate company man who's just going to do right by the organization, say things right by the organization. Like, I don't view him as the kind of guy who's going to cross the Angels. And I think he sees the Angels as the team that's, you know, given him this incredible baseball life that he's had. But, um, yeah, you can't help but wonder if, like, behind closed doors, like, is he more willing to, you know, throw his weight around, for lack of a better way to put it, in terms of trying to influence decisions to maybe juice up the roster a little more? Um, I don't know, but I kind of just view him as um, a guy who's going to do and say as the Angels want, and truly, unless there was a spectacularly bad team around him, I wouldn't expect mike trout to say anything but i think we have a good team this year because that's easy to say that's what the team wants him to say and that's just what i would expect him to say and it's kind of boring but i can't fault him for saying it but that i think that's my perspective as an outsider here it's just kind of boring and i think that plays to a larger perception of mike trout at least in what he does and says he's boring but he's also really good at baseball 
there's nothing wrong with being boring. No, I mean, listen, people are who they are. Like, you know, you have per- – pers- everyone's person. Just because somebody's an insanely good baseball player does not mean that their personality is going to fit exactly the way that you want them to. And then, like I said, you know, Mike's always signing autographs for kids. He's doing a lot of charity stuff. He's, I think, incredibly – like, he's an incredible representative for any team that he'd be playing on. That's why he was Captain America, right? Like, you don't get that title for nothing. Right. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we're going to – I think – that if you get to this point next year and the Angels are, you know, they come out and they win 75 games again and Shohei Otani leaves, I mean, that's when I think it kind of gets to the point where it's like, you got to not, it's not for, it's not for anyone else but you, right? Like, you know, you, you know you're going to be here another eight years, including this season. Um, like, what do you want to see happen? You know, because whatever you say behind closed doors, it doesn't have the same weight as what you'll say publicly and the pressure that that would put on an organization too. And there's and when I say pressure, I mean, what does that equal? That means spending. I mean, it's the things we talked about in that first episode with Artie. It really comes down to spending and resources and, and doing everything you can on every side of the organization to put a winner on the field, which I don't think the Angels do. We talked about it last week. You know, that's, that's where they fail is to do everything they can to win. Um, and I think it's where Mike Trapp probably has a little bit of say and sway because yeah. these fans listen to him and, you know, they'll respond how he responds. Right. And I do think, I mean, if you fast forward eight, nine months from now, and if the Angels season truly goes horribly and Otani <laughs> leaves and Artie decides to move on from Nevin, decides to move on for Perry and basically just cleans house for all intents and purposes, the Angels are going to effectively have to enter a rebuild and a new phase of the organization and, you know, the question kind of begs, like, well, does Mike Trout want that? Does Mike Trout want to stick around for that? Well, I, he doesn't really have a choice, does he? I mean, unless he really wants to, you know, publicly come out and demand a trade, but that would be so against his character. I think all of that just speaks to how this year is really an inflection point. And I totally agree. I mean, it is. I mean, even for Trout personally, I mean, listen, he's, you know, I think... He, he's a, a slightly different kind of player. I mean, he's dealt with some injuries over the last couple of years. And, and I mean, some of the, I mean, he had an incredible statistical season last year. I mean, you look, he had 40, he had his 40th home run in his last at bat of the season. And that ball traveled 490 feet, which was, you know, it was insane. I mean, they, they measured it at like 440 and then StatCast was like, wait, no, we broke for a second. And they went and updated where, where it. Did he, where did he hit it again? Uh, whatever they call Oakland's ballpark, Ring Central, O.co, uh, you know. Uh, I don't know. The Angels know. home away from home. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's there. They end, it's, it's all, you know, kind of fits together. They end last season there. They start this season here. And then maybe Mike Trout will hit another 490 foot foot homer. But at the same time, I mean, listen, I think that his statistics last year were very good. He was literally one point off a thousand OPS. I think if he had played the entire season, you know, he missed a month and a half or so. In total, uh, you know, he could have been in that conversation for a top three MVP vote. Um, but there is one thing that I think that not enough people really recognize about Mike Trout's offense, and it's it's not that it's any worse; it's just that it's a lot different. Um, and we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording here. But you know, if you look at Mike's numbers, his fly ball rate was exponentially higher last year. He hit the ball in the air forty four point seven percent of the time, and that's according to uh, baseball savant and if you look at his numbers as a over the course of his career it's about uh, i think like 31 percent uh, hitting the ball in the air um his uh, whiff percentage uh was also really high compared to where it has been i think he struck out like 28 percent of the time 
in comparison to like a career percentage of 22%. Um, so yeah, his, let's see, his, his whiff percentage was 30% on, on balls he swung at compared to like a career average 21.6%. So that's, there's a big change in the way that he's hit. Um, again, I don't think it's worse, but I think that you're looking at a hitter that's just evolved. Maybe, you know, it has something to do with the injuries and how he's kind of, you know, approaches at bats differently. Maybe it is just, you know, the evolution of a hitter and, and the way that, you know, he's kind of developed over the course of his career. I don't know, necessarily know what to make of it. I'm curious to see with the new hitting staff this year if that changes at all. But it's something I've noticed, and I think it, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, obviously, like I said, he's got a lot of years left. And uh, I don't, you know, to kind of have such a sharp change in the way he hits over the course of one season to me was fascinating. Right. And just for the people who might not be fully aware, and I'll raise my hand, um, and include myself in that group. The fact that his fly ball percentage is up as high as it is is, in theory, slightly concerning, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it. Yeah, I think it. it you could look at it like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I think that's why I'm interested in this year because no one will look at what he did last year and say that wasn't good enough, right? Like the, those were some vintage Mike Trout numbers in terms of the overall production that he had. Mm-hmm. So if he's doing that. Listen, if he's got an OPS near 1,000 and he's still hitting the ball really high in the air and he's still striking out quite a bit, I would say that it's still, you know, that's still a really, really productive season. But, yeah, I mean, listen, if he's if, if there's, you know, that level of strikeout and he's not hitting as many home runs or he's become like a really uh, a three true outcomes type hitter, I think, yeah, that is concerning. And it's certainly a departure from the Mike Trout that we kind of all grew up watching and appreciating. Not to say that it's, it's necessarily a, that he's a, worse hitter but i do think that it's a different type of offense and you don't really know what that might lead to long term as a player kind of gets into their mid-30s and even late 30s yeah he's a thousand percent just evolved as a hitter and i mean all i would say is that i imagine that like the greatest hitters in baseball history have also probably evolved over the course of their you know yeah 20 something year careers you could probably look across you know different eras from a Ted Williams to a Mike Schmidt to a Ken Griffey to a Mike Trout. I'm sure all of these guys evolved as hitter or hitters over their careers. Like, you know, no one's the same as a 39-year-old as they were, you know, as a 21-year-old. And this is harped on a lot with Trout, but just looking at the numbers now, it's just, it's pretty crazy to see in 2012 as a 20-year-old, in 139 games, he stole 49 bases. And then last year as a 30-year-old, in 119 games, so 20 fewer games than he played as a rookie he stole how many bases sam you want to take a guess uh one two one yeah got it yeah i mean he one doesn't base. do it anymore right he did one on the wbc right. and everyone was like oh, is this coming back and listen it might come back right a little bit because i think that uh there's the, the bigger bases make things interesting right it's if you got that speed and he still has the speed that's not something he's lost i think he's just being extra careful uh you know because of the, the, the calf injury and the back injury and you know, there totally. are certain things you have to adjust as you get older to not get hurt. And uh, I think he's probably recognized that. He's going to take more days off this year probably to, you know, avoid having things like what happened with his back, which kind of, which if I had to, you know, kind of deduce over the course of the season, probably was as a result of playing a little too much and putting too much on it. Um, sure. You know, that's just, yeah, that's how I, these things happen. Yeah. And I just think the way I would put it is that, you know, the headline is that Mike Trout, obviously still amazing at baseball, still putting up incredible eye-popping stat lines. He's making the same recipe with different ingredients. He's hitting the ball in the air more. He's striking out more. 
but he's still hitting 40 home runs. His OPS is still right around 1,000. That's There's absolutely nothing wrong with that in the slightest. He's still an amazing baseball player and still just a blast to watch. Yeah, I'm not, I think, on a good team. I think what we'll see is like when he goes through his slumps, it will say it will feel more concerning because there will be strikeouts mm-hmm. that pile up, and that we saw that last year. I think even just last night, the other day, I mean, he struck out like three times in a row, which is not something he's done over the course of his career, and yet you're mm-hmm. seeing you're going to see that. I think you're going to see that a little more if he doesn't you know readjust back into some of the hitting style that we saw in, early on in his career. But you know, like you said, it's 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 a it's just different ingredients. I don't think he's worse right now. I just think he's different. And I'll be curious to see how that evolves this season. Um, but, you know, I mean, listen, he's just right, you know, right now, I just, I think the big thing is what's, what, what's his future? <clears throat> we all talk mm-hmm. about Otani's future quite a bit and for good reason. But, I mean, in a lot of ways, I think Otani's future is tied to Trout um, and, and what Trout can accomplish with the Angels. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, not enough is kind of talked about with, with Mike, but uh, it's because, it's, you know, Otani takes up a lot of the oxygen and, and for good reason, but... You know, this, like you said, you know, we talked about it this other already. I mean, who knows what next year will bring uh, in terms of who's still left. It so much depends on that, the success of this season. Uh, the, you know, seasons are always important for every team. I don't think any team would ever tell you they're not excited for the season mm-hmm. to start. They don't think it's an important year. But when you look at this Angels team this year, I mean, I don't know how you could look at it. I mean, this is as big as it gets, right? Like, this is, for them, this is their future. Uh, do, you, do you think the people around the team, like, a Phil Nevin, like a Perry Manazian, the other players in the locker room, do you think they feel that as well? I don't want to say they're feeling like pressure, but do you, do you think they acknowledge this as as important of a season as we're saying it is? Uh, I would say in the short, short, yeah, in short, yes. But I think when you kind of break it up, it obviously devolves, you know, it, it, it kind of involves everybody's personal motivations, right? Like, Phil Nevin is not signed beyond this year. I imagine that he recognizes his managerial future is kind of tied <laughs> to doing well this year. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I think with Perry Manazian, the same thing, right? Like, he, right. you know, he went out and built a team that he thought should win this year. He goes through a third season where they're not winning. I think that, you know, would impact right. his ability to, one, remain with the Angels, but also even just kind of do this at this capacity, at this level, across the league so i mean this is these are really i mean listen i'm not i'm not sugarcoating that that's people's jobs are on the line this year uh you know i think the organizational philosophy is on the line this year i mean is this successful like if you get three years and you can't put together uh you know improvements especially mm-hmm. with an upgraded payroll i mean that's just not a good it's just not gonna it's not gonna reflect well and i think it would be really tough tough to to uh to justify totally. continuing on so with the same totally. with the status quo uh, the Angels right. have done have have surprised me before by staying with the status quo, but <laughs> I mean I just don't know how you can do it, especially if, if Shohei Otani is uh you know is is looking at it in the same way that I think he's looking at it. Right. Yeah. I mean it's totally unacceptable in a vacuum when you're just looking at the success of your own team or the lack of progress over the course of three seasons, and I think it's made all the worse if you look around the room your proverbial room where your division rivals play and you see the astros have been good and continued to be really good you see the rise of the mariners and then again the potential rise or slight improvement of the texas rangers who maybe are not improving through an elite farm system but just from spending gobs of money that the angels so far have not been willing to commit um 
Yeah. Yeah. That makes your lack of organizational progress all the worse when you see the teams around you getting better. Yeah. I mean, the Angels are not paying this team to hang around the A's in the basement of the AL West. No. And I, I mean, listen, it's like if that happens, I mean, this is it's blowing up, in my opinion. I mean, it's just I don't know how you can continue on if you're looking at a fourth place finish. You know, and there are certain like things I think they'll take into account. Like, did they, you know, were they close? Were they close to making the playoffs? Were they above five hundred? I mean, there's certain milestones that I think they could hit without yeah, having an incredible to it, season. For sure. What? There's some nuance to it for sure. Yeah, it's exactly. not just black and white fourth place. I mean, in theory, with the wild card setup, like you could still make the playoffs as a fourth place team. It's really unlikely, but mm. you know, it's in theory possible. Um, but yeah, it's just all of this just underscores how important of a season this is for the Angels. And, you know, I feel like the last few minutes we've definitely skewed negative. Like there's definitely a possibility that this works out and the Angels do get into the playoffs and the team is as good as, you know, Perry has been saying it can be and Mike Trout too. But um, we just don't know. And I think it's fair to say that the Angels don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. It's very much a we'll believe it when we see it. Yeah, I mean, and listen, I don't look at it as, as skewing negative. I just think this is what we're, what you know, you have to deal in reality. I mean, this is, I and mean, we talked about it before. I mean, if you're not consistently evaluating and thinking about these things and thinking about contingencies, you're not doing the right, you're not doing your job. And I think that the Angels do that. I mean, I do think that Perry is aware of, all of this, I think their front office is aware of all of this, but you know, it's it's not negative, right? It's just it's just the facts, and this is the reality of the situation. And um, to me, I do think they'll have a good year. I we talked about it last last week. I mean, I I think that they're going to have a successful season, but you know, it's it, it's it's also the the fact that if they don't, then all these things really come into play in a huge way. Um, but I mean, listen, they they built a roster that I think should win. Uh, you know, they just got some news earlier about a couple guys starting the year on the IL. But listen, they built they built their roster to handle that. Um, they mm. built their roster to handle some guys going down. So that's that's the good news. The the bad news is is people are going down right away. But you know, I don't, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it all kind of plays out. I think this is a team that can win. You know, upwards of eighty five uh, to ninety. I mean, I think I saw somebody say that they're eighty five wins plus or minus five, and I, that's exactly how I look at it. Uh, this year. So we'll see. Outside the Angels, I wanted to talk about, you know, our baseball predictions since the season started. We get it, it we get it on the record. So when I get everything right, I can play this. I can tweet out the clip of me getting everything right. Um, and if you get it right, yeah. well, then whatever. Yeah, gather but, all the players around in the clubhouse so you yeah. can let them know that you nailed it with your third wild card pick in the National League. Yes. Uh, but yeah, let's get into it. We're, we'll, uh, we'll start wherever you want. Um, let's go... Let's start off with uh, Agus AL division champs. What are what are what are you thinking? Well, initially when I jotted it down, it was a mirror image of last year where we had the Yankees out of the East, the Guardians in the Central, and the Astros in the West. And I've retained two thirds of those teams. I have the Astros winning the West, the Guardians in the Central, and I felt like. It needed a mix-up because it would be too easy if the playoff field was mirrored from last year. So I have the Blue Jays coming out of the American League East as division champs. I'm I'm gonna I got none of those. So let's <laughs> let's yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Who you got? And the AL East, I picked the Rays to win it because they always okay. are good. And you know why not, right? Uh, easy to defend the Rays. Easy to, yeah. I mean, nobody's going to say, well, the Rays are good, because they're always good, right? They're they're good, except for 2016, the one year I happened to cover them. 
Um, <laughs> in the AL Central, I picked the White Sox because okay. I think that their manager and team vibe really over the last two years, but in particular last year, just to, just diminished any chance they had. I mean, it just didn't work. The team wasn't, you know, it didn't seem like they were really fighting for him at all. Um, and that division is weak enough where, you know, I mean, like you said, I think it's the Guardians of the White Sox, and why not the White Sox? So they've got, I think, two good pitchers, good, good start, two good, really good starters in Cease and Giolito. Um, so I'll take the White Sox. And then okay. in the AL West... But the White Sox, just to interject, the White Sox, again, fall into the same bucket as a few other teams. Like, I'll believe it when I see it. They got the right pieces there. Yeah, totally. You would think on paper they should be able to do it. And the American League Central is such a grab bag. Sure. That's part White of it. Sox it was like, is. why not, right? It could yeah, be the Royals right. for all I know. I mean, they've got some really young, good young players, too. Yeah. Um, in the AL West, I picked the Mariners uh, because... And, I, and I, I picked the Mariners to win the World Series. I just love their starting rotation. I think they got a really good. I think they got really good pitching. They have a superstar center fielder. Yeah. They have. I just think a good offense. I mean, it's a balanced team. I mean, you see this happen. I think in sports sometimes, where you know they made the playoffs last year. They won that first round. Now I think they could take that next step. Um, and yeah. they've got you know, they got a, a really, really, in my opinion, just an incredible starting rotation, and that's key to winning over the course of six months. I think the Mariners winning their division is possibly the most fun baseball story there's just a lot to like about the mariners in terms of the players they have on the team seattle as a city great baseball town and also just the idea that the mariners went so many years without making the playoffs finally broke through have never won the world series i mean yeah I, i'm buying it we got a lot of good feedback on, on this podcast the first week but i'm thinking now that we're hyping up the mariners <laughs> it's uh it's all gone downhill so we apologize and we hope you're still listening um let's go to the uh the no what's your uh what are your thoughts as division winners um gosh i'm looking at these national league division winners and it just seems like an encapsulation of the entire 2010s so in one fell swoop i've got the braves in the east the cardinals in the central and the Dodgers in the West. Out of those three, I think the Dodgers is probably the most su- surprising pick, which is weird to say, but everyone is, you know, so high on the Padres and understandably so. But um, with the Padres, it's just, you know, they have a history as an organization of falling short in various ways. And uh, yes, I've said it a lot. I'll say it again. I'll believe it when I see it. I think on paper, Padres are definitely the best team, but the baseball season is long. The baseball season is weird, and at the end of it, no one will be surprised to see the Dodgers again as National League West champs. Padres will still be pretty good. What about They'll the Giants? The what about your Giants? Oh, I... I think 80, 81 and 81. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if I could make a prop bet on the Giants and Angels finishing with the exact same record, I'd put a couple bucks down on that. I think, <laughs> you probably could find I think some they're place. in similar spots, despite the Giants having no one nearly as good as Mike Trout or Shohei Otani. <laughs> I think uh, their win-loss records could be alarmingly close, which is to say probably, you know, mid to low 80s is probably the ceiling, um, which is not good enough despite having three wild-card teams. I don't have the Giants as one of them. Yeah, it's like I think the Angels have a better roster than the Giants, but then you look at the Giants always seem to be a very charmed organization, and the Angels are like a cursed organization. And so, I mean, I know maybe people in 2002 would disagree, but... um, that's uh that was that, a long time ago yeah we're talking yeah this is the way things have operated in the last decade i think that's maybe <laughs> you're right like that could they could very easily just kind of converge in that in that sense my division winners in the nl were yeah the phillies because i think that they kind of built 
themselves to win this year and like the next two years, and then you know they'll they'll recheck things after that uh, in yeah. terms of the way they spent and they really put together I think a really good team for the short term. Yeah, we'll see if Artie still wishes he signed Trey Turner in twenty thirty one. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and the, yeah, the, for the Cubs, I just think that the Cubs have, have put together a Cubs. pretty yeah. I put I the know. Cubs. Uh, for the know. NL Central, you know, because I like to mix it up, right? Things the baseball right, season will fair. always surprise you. Every year you. there are surprise teams, that and they crash they the playoff party. they had a good off season, right? Like, I mean, they they didn't they're not trying to lose. I mean, I think the last couple of years you could have said, well, they came into the season not expecting a very good year, but I mean, they obviously went out and spent this year. I thought the Dansby Swanson acquisition was really good. I was going to say, are you are you foreshadowing a Dansby Swanson uh, NL MVP prediction? Uh, I actually put my 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 NL MVP was uh, Trey Turner because I had to justify these to pick these division winners, and the only way those were going to happen was you know, <laughs> I guess if it's True. it'll be it'll be Trey and then Dansby, and then uh, in True. the NL West we agreed on the Dodgers. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, it's hard to pick. I know that obviously, the same reasons you said, it's just hard to pick against the Dodgers. They're a baseball factory. It's yeah. an easy pick. Yeah, easy I pick. mean, they're, they're going to be guys that form for them this year that you probably haven't heard of yet, and that's just kind of the way the Dodgers are. Um, right. and you'll hear of them soon. You'll hear soon of them enough. soon, yeah. Like, this Outman guy, he's going to probably have like 35 homers for all I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah. What, wild card teams? Oh, man, I haven't really thought about this one. I'll go with... Uh, the Mets, the Braves, and the Padres for the NL. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I feel like when you have so many playoff teams, I do it's just like the way the NL landscape looks, I think everyone ends up with a version of the same teams just in a different order. Um yeah, my wildcard teams, I pick the Padres, the Mets, and the Phillies. Uh it just it just makes sense. It just works. Although I don't have the Cubs making the playoffs, so they're either out of the playoffs or they're winning the division, according to Calling All Halos. Yes. Um, and then for the American League wildcard teams, I picked the Yankees, the Mariners, and maybe my only surprise pick is I like the Orioles sneaking in, crashing the playoff party. They're kind of, uh, you know, Mariners light in the sense that they made a lot of progress last year. I think the snowball is still rolling, still getting bigger. And I just think, you know, baseball's fun when the Baltimore Orioles are good. I think it's just kind of, um, it's been a while. They've been in a long rebuilding process. And I think it's going to come to fruition this year. And I think they uh, sneak into the playoffs. I which will... is also my way of saying I do not have the Angels making the playoffs. They might get close. But I, I I'm going to have the Angels in the, as the third wild card. Um, along with the Twins and the Rolls. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I'm going to pick the... Uh... Astros, Angels, and Guardians, which right, also, which would mean the Yankees the don't playoffs, make the playoffs. If, wow! So Yankees <laughs> out of the playoffs, Angels in the playoffs. I, if the Angels are making the playoffs, it's through one of baseball's new weird tiebreaker rules, where they don't actually play a tiebreaker game, but it comes down to just some vibes. numbers on paper and uh, <laughs> vibes. Yeah, exactly. And Rob Manfred points to the Angels and says. You're in. Well, I mean, I, I think it comes to me. It's like it, you know, you can have, and I picked. I think in both leagues, you you know, two teams from the same division to be the wild card, and I mean that's happened in the past already. But I think it's even more likely this year with this very balanced schedule. I mean, you could theoretically have all three teams come from one division. It's sure. uh, yeah. it's really just about who I think the better teams are, and that's kind of how I, I, you know, I think uh, the Angels have a good record. Well, have a good record. I think they have a good team, and I'll put them in as a third wild card. But you're right. I mean, it's not going to be easy and. 
I'm I'm kind of just saying that maybe I've kind of drank the Kool Aid. You're around it every day, and you kind of start to think, oh, I can I can see this happening, this happening, but um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. It's it certainly won't be a. Would a people slam dunk. within the Angels organization ever believe you're <clears throat> drinking the Kool Aid? Huh. They probably wish. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, it's not even like you know, you're you, drinking the Kool Aid doesn't always mean like, man, I like, I'm a, I'm a total like homer. I think there's a difference between like, okay, you're around it every day, and you can kind of convince yourself by like, you know, sure. just seeing certain things and like enough people say enough things to you, and that like, you know, you just it just kind of becomes ingrained in the way you you see things. And so, I mean, I do think the Angels have a good enough roster, based on what I've seen all spring and what, you know, I look at other rosters and, you know, you do this enough and you kind of get a sense of, okay, I mean, I think they built a team that can, can make the playoffs. Um, but, I mean, it's like I said last week, like, something could snap me out of that. Like, if this, you know, who knows? We could be sitting here, you know, five days from now and the Angels just got swept in Oakland and uh, the world is on fire, you know, in Anaheim. So <laughs> Right, exactly. The Shohei Otani trade rumors are already swirling. Yep. Um, it only would take a week, maybe a two. Week. It could. You know, that first they have an off day. That first after the game one. I mean, who if they lose game one with I don't even. I mean, the guy that the A's are starting has like nine major league innings for opening day, <laughs> which by the way I don't even think they were very good innings. <laughs> so that's the A's but for innings. Reason. Innings. They were. They he, they let him put on a, a jersey and start a major and play in major league games. And now he will start opening day as I, uh, alongside Joey Otani. So, I mean, you know, pretty cool for him not to disparage him at all. Uh, you know, certainly if you're pitching in the major leagues on opening day, you've, you've earned it. But it's, uh, you know, it's only to say that I think the, lo- the matchup is extremely lopsided. So if it doesn't go the way of the Angels, there's going to be people already, I'm sure, freaking out about it. I think what I love about baseball is the fact that we just ran through predictions, mentioned probably half the teams in the league. And there's still probably two or three teams that we didn't mention that are going to make the playoffs that we just had no idea about. So I'm sitting here absolutely stoked for the start of this season and everything that's about to unfold. Yeah, it'll be really cool. And, and you know, this the baseball is a way of uh, surprising you. And I think in in ways that other sports just can't. I mean, there's just so much parody and it will be, uh, you know, I mean, who would have thought the or- Orioles, I would have told you the Orioles were going to lose 100 games last year and now you're picking them to make the playoffs. And, and uh, that's just a testament to... Um, you know, just the the way things can be can play out in a completely surprising fashion, which is why I pick teams that I don't think anybody. I mean, everyone can pick the Braves or the Padres, or you know, the Dodgers or the Yankees. It's easy to pick the easy teams. Yeah, so I like to I like to mix it up because I think you know, or the Astros and the Astros will probably just win it all again for all I know. But it's just fun, you know. I mean, this is this season's gonna surprise you. Uh, we'll see if the Angels surprise us. I know that no matter what, it will be fascinating. And uh, we'll be here all year. So you'll have to keep coming back. You'll have to keep listening to us. Uh, because even though we we've both are excited about the Mariner season. So in the meantime, please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Calling All Halos on Apple. And rate us five stars if you feel so inclined. We hope you like it. And uh, we'll be back soon with another episode. But for now, enjoy the start of the baseball season. And thank you for listening.